Good evening, everyone. We all learn differently, don't we? We, we all learn differently. The older I get, the more I realize that. Now, it's not a generational thing, but my parents learned by listening. They were actually quite good at listening because they grew up with a radio and they listened to plays on the radio. You know, TV shows were on the radio um, and um, they were very good at listening and learning that way. So sitting in a classroom, listening to a teacher, generally speaking, that was okay for them. Um, me, growing up, I, I'm not sure if I really learned that way. Uh, kids these days, you're probably very visual. There's a lot of visual things at school. They have screens and they're looking at screens. We talked about that in the service before. Each one of us um, learn differently. My wife is a teacher. Um, she's, she's actually professionally qualified to help kids who learn differently. Um, I used to joke around that we got married because um, she needed more practice, but I don't know, I don't know about that. But uh, I certainly have appreciated the, the way that God has created each and every person. And uh, it's a bit sad because, um, you know, we come out with acronyms for, for children or people that have different learning kinds, all right? So, um, and it usually ends in the letter D, all right, which stands for like, what? Disorder. And it's sad because I actually see, I actually see God has made us all different. So it's, it's more of a difference than a disorder. <laughs> uh, and we just have to figure out or have teachers like Sonia around that can help us figure out how we learn best. We might not fit into the classroom mentality. So how about we go to hands-on teaching? You know, for example, um, you tell me what to do. It's probably not going to sink in too well. You show me what to do. I'm done. You just show me once. That'll do. You show me how to get to some place once. I'm good for the rest of my life. You know, show me how to do something once properly and I'll go do it properly. But talk to me. Nah. Even videos like I can watch a movie, but I don't usually sit down and watch movies. Every one of us learn differently. And God knows that. He knows exactly how you learn. And I'm not talking like learn in your head. I'm talking about learn in your heart. Because as you follow Jesus, he actually is trying to teach us things, each and every one of us. Well, you're here tonight as part of that journey. Now, something is going to speak to you more in this service to help you in your faith walk with God than something else. But each, each, each one of us learns differently. Um, and I'm not sure how to bring that into a, a segue to this, this sermon, but here, here we have two disciples um, and they're on their way out of Jerusalem and they need to learn a lesson. Uh, they don't realize they need to learn a lesson. They think they're walking away from a problem. So um, have your Bibles open to Luke 24. Thanks, Jamie, for reading that. That was great. I was like, I was almost like I could go home. That was, that was enough for me. Only because I've done a bit of study in this. All right. So we've got two disciples. Um, one's called Cleopas and the other one doesn't have a name. It doesn't matter, all right? Look, these two people could actually be husband and wife, all right? We're not sure. Um, it could be the other person that's not named. could be actually Luke who's writing this gospel. It could be something. Some, but we know that they're not actually part of the 12 or 11 at this stage. You know, Judas has gone and helped himself to whatever, you know. So there's only 11 disciples at this stage after the resurrection of Jesus. And also these guys... Or, 
both the 11 disciples and all the other disciples and followers of Jesus, apart from Mary Magdalene, who we looked at last week, remember that? Haven't seen the resurrected Jesus. They haven't actually seen Jesus. Um, maybe, maybe Simon has, maybe Peter has, uh, as there's a reference in this reading. But um, we're going to assume that basically what's happened is um, Jesus has left talking with Mary outside the tomb and he's gone for a walk along the road to Emmaus. And this phrase, dot, 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 God showed up and God showed up. It usually happens when, there's, when, when, when all hell is breaking loose in your, in your life or when, 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 when it just seems like, you know what, let's just, let's just walk away from this situation. Let's, let's throw our hands up and walk away. Um, when hard times come and confusing times come, there are actually some options. All right, we have some options. Um, we can fight or we can run away or we can hide it. Or we can ignore it. Um, in fact, you look around the world. I mean, you, you see all kinds of people with all kinds of situations and problems. Um, and how do they deal with them? So we, um, we can medicate it. Uh, we, can, uh, we can numb the pain by drowning our sorrows. A lot of people are actually just, they're not alcoholics. They're actually just dealing with something. <laughs> like they're not actually drug addicts, they're dealing with something. There's pain, there's brokenness, there's something in the past and they just don't know how to deal with it. Uh, other people run away, homeless people maybe. You know, it's not that they've got a problem with homelessness, they've just tried to deal with something and they've run away because that's how they've coped with it. Um, these guys are doing that. They seem to be walking away from what didn't work in their life. And dot, 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 God showed up. I want you to put your, put your both arms up in the air through this story when you believe that they actually realized God showed up. Because all the way through this story, God shows up. Now, you might be able to relate to your life too. I can. I love Psalm 23, where it says, um, you prepare a table before me, uh, for me in the presence of my enemies, right? And, and um, you uh, anoint my head with oil, my cup overflows. Surely your goodness and mercy will follow me all the days of my life. And I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Um, it's the goodness and mercy of the Lord that's following you know, because often we don't actually see the goodness and mercy of the Lord when we're in the valley of the shadow of death. It's when we look back, we go, oh, that's actually God's good. He was merciful. He was faithful then. I just didn't realize it. You know, I thought it was just a hard time that I couldn't deal with, but he was actually merciful and faithful and present in that time. And, um, and here we have two disciples and they're in, uh, in denial and they're walking away. They're walking away. Verse 13 of, Matt, of Luke 24. Now that same day, two of them were going to a village called Emmaus and about, uh, about seven miles from Jerusalem. That's about 11 kilometers. That's a walk, right? 
11 kilometer walk. Hello? That's a long way to go. That's a lot of thinking. That's a lot of, oh gee, what have we done now? We're just, we're just trying to cope, just trying to deal with what's going on, trying to understand and um, understand. They were, they were walking to a place called Emmaus. Now Emmaus, Emmaus doesn't exist anymore, but the, actually the name of it comes from an old Hebrew word which means the burning, the burning. So they're walking towards a town, however you want to say it, a mouse, a mouse or whatever. I'd like, I don't like a mouse because that sounds like a mouse. They're walking to the burning and they're coming from a town which is called the city of peace, Jerusalem, Jerusalem, city of peace. And they're walking from the town of peace and they're going towards the town of burning. Doesn't sound like fun. And they're walking together and verse 14 says they were talking with each other about everything that had happened. And as they talked and discussed these things with each other, Jesus himself came up and walked along with them, but they were kept from recognizing him. Now this is, this is God stopping them from re recognizing that the fella they're walking with is actually Jesus. I have no idea how he does that, but he's God. He does that. I mean, Mary thought that Jesus was the gardener. So there's this amazing body that you're going to get after the resurrection. And you can just, maybe you just look like anyone you like. I'm not sure. But they don't recognize Jesus. But what are they doing as they're walking? This is a really, really helpful tool for anyone who's dealing with something and trying to walk away from it. What are they doing? They're talking together. They got someone else to talk with about it. Imagine one of them on the road. Oh man, this is my life. It's just terrible. You know? But they've got each other. Go home with that tonight. Don't walk the road away from your problem. I mean, full stop, don't walk away from your problem if you can. But if that's how you deal with it, walk. But do it with someone else. I don't know about you, but I, I actually find I can think better when I walk. I pray better when I walk. I'm not sure if it's the repetitive movement or if I just, because I can't sit still and think at the same time. I don't know. But walking and thinking helps. And doing it with somebody else is really important. And it's when they do that, God shows up. A burden halved, uh, sorry, a burden carried is a burden halved. Carry one another's burden. In this way, you fulfill the law of Christ. So we've got to help each other, walk with each other. I think it was great in the prayer time tonight. We, we did that. We, we kind of we were able to see some of the burdens around the room. I know there's plenty more burdens around the room. We need to help each other. We need to carry the burdens with each other. Talk about the issues together. Complain be sad, whatever. This is what these guys are actually doing. They're actually really sad and forlorn and they're walking and talking together. And as they talk, verse 15, as they talked and discussed these things with each other, Jesus himself came up and walked along with them. Now, I imagine Jesus coming up behind them and just kind of like, you know, you know that person when you go walking on the footpath and they kind of slowly catching up to you and it's an awkward place where, you know, do I move to the left or the right? Or, or you're the person catching up to somebody and they're doing, going to, you know, and it's like, it's like that. It's just a regular guy. He wants to get to Emmaus and he wants to get out of Jerusalem. There's some strange stuff's been happening back there. And he hears them talking, right? They don't know it's Jesus. I hate it how we know it's Jesus. Can we try and put ourselves in their shoes? So, um, verse 17. 
He asked them, what are you discussing together as you walk along? Like he needed to know, right? Because we know it's Jesus. But they didn't know that. They stood still. They stopped in their tracks. Their faces downcast. Oh, come on, guys. One of them, named Cleopas, asked him, are you the only one visiting Jerusalem who does not know these things that have happened there in these days? Don't you read the paper? Don't you know what's going on in my life? Don't you know, God, don't you know what's going on in my life, God? Where have you been, God? <laughs> they don't know it's God, but it's almost, we can do that with God too. It's like, what? Am I the only one going through this? I mean, aren't you, aren't you on the throne? Aren't you the healer? Aren't you the king? Aren't you the savior? You know, and we can, we can actually kind of go, we're the only ones that know about what's going on. <laughs> really? And this, um, and this, this man, this visitor that meets them, um, he asks them the question, what, what's, what, what's going on? What are you guys talking about? And they, they say, what, where have you been? And he asks them this question. Uh, sorry, that, and, and they say, um, where have you been? Don't you know about these things? And Jesus just says these two words. What things? This is something else I think is really important. I don't know about you, but it, it helped me. That, um, you know, when you go through um, a hard situation where it's, where it's difficult, like um, we, we heard a testimony at our Palm Sunday service. We're praying for people in our church tonight. And it's, and, and it's a difficult situation. We're not sure what the end's going to look like. Um, we're not even sure if God's actually with us because we can't feel him. We can't sense him, but he is. Um, and um, I think Jesus really asks them to look back. Because they're, they're complaining about the things that have happened. And, um, and he says, what things have happened? In other words, have a look back at what you're complaining about and, and, and take another look at it. Check it out. See what, see what there might be there. There might be something in that that God's trying to communicate to you. I'm the, I am the first person to say, like especially on New Year's, for the first Sunday of the year, like the sermon is all about looking through the windscreen of the car and the rear view mirror is, is small. Don't look through the back. Don't look at last year. Move forward, people. But sometimes God wants us to look back and we have communion every month here and that, that's where we do that too. We look back. It gives us an opportunity to go, okay, what actually did Jesus do for us back then? And we get to look back and we, and we get to see, actually, it's good to hear testimonies and stories and it's good to share your story and testimony because it, it actually helps you to remember, oh, back there, God was good. And, you know, it didn't always feel like he was good, but he showed up. And so God invites us to look back. And Jesus says, what things? Like, I feel like he's got a little wry smile. You know, like he's just, he's having a party talking to these disciples because in inside, I don't know, look, if it was me on the inside and I was doing this, you know, um, fake identity thing and pretending that I was somebody else, I'd be holding back the laughter because I just want to, also, I want to hug these people because I know they're in pain. I know they've lost me, but I just want to go, hey, it's actually me, look. But Jesus doesn't do that. He, um. He says what things, and he gives them an opportunity to actually talk to him about what things. So have your Bibles and have a look. 
He wants them to remember. He said, what things? And what did they say? About Jesus from Nazareth, they replied. He was a prophet, powerful in word and deed before God and all the people. The chief priests and our rulers handed him over to be sentenced to death and they crucified him. But he had, but we had hoped that he was the one who was going to redeem Israel. And what is more, it is the third day since all this took place. Wait there, surely the penny dropped. Surely. Did anyone just think third day? Whoa, I've heard that before. Surely. Like I think I counted about six or seven times in the Gospels where Jesus has actually said to them before the event of the cross, this is what's going to happen. I'm going to be arrested and be tried. I'm going to be crucified. I'm going to be you know, put to death on a cross. And on the third day, I will rise again. And I mean, I don't know how many times I've, I read that in the Gospels, but they just don't hear it because they have their own agenda of what the Messiah should do and how he should redeem Israel. And so here, Jesus is giving them the opportunity to look back at what he already promised. And so they even get to the point where it's like, and what's more, it is the third day since all this took place. Surely one of them goes, hey, mate, that sounds familiar, but they don't. Go on in verse 22. In addition, some of our women amazed us. They went to the tomb early this morning, but didn't find his body. They came and told us that they had a, seen a vision of angels who said he was alive. Then some of our companions went to the tomb and found it just as the women had said. But him they did not see. We are Christians, all right? Another way we can put it is we are believers or we're followers of Jesus, all right? We, we don't walk by sight. We walk by faith, all right? We live by faith, not by sight. And that's the enemy to um, recognizing God showing up, sight. Here Jesus is actually with them and he's actually journeying with them and he's trying to teach them a lesson. Remember, all of us learn differently. He's trying to teach them a lesson about faith and, and, what, and what, part of, what, what part of ourselves we use or should depend on in that journey with him, especially through hard times, is, is our hearts and our faith in him and his presence and who he is. And these disciples, they look back in the mirror, like Jesus said, look, what, what things? And they told him, and then they finished with those words, but him they did not see. In other words, we heard all these things and no one saw Jesus. I mean, Mary saw Jesus, but they're not going to believe Mary because she's a woman. They needed to see to believe, which is what we all want when we go through a hard time. So let's not just be pointing fingers at these two. But they wanted to see to believe. And God showed up. Oh, sorry. God, God showed up. That's what he talked about. Then 
Jesus says to them, <laughs> you guys are foolish. He said, how foolish you are and how slow to believe all that the prophets have spoken. Did not the Messiah have to suffer these things and then enter his glory? And beginning with Moses and all the prophets, he explained to them what was said in all the scriptures concerning himself. Okay, so this is the second point. God, the first one is God wants us to look back, wants us to look back, see what he's done. And, and, and the next point is God wants us to read our Bibles. Just like, just let's just read them for ourselves. Like, don't take my word for it every Sunday. Whatever I'm preaching on, take notes, check it out and come back to me and say, hey, Ian, you were wrong there. Did you realize you said this? And I'm like, oh, thanks for telling me. I didn't realize I said that. What I meant to say was. So we've got to read our Bibles. We have to read our Bibles. And Jesus actually takes them to the Bible, but he doesn't have a Bible. He's on the road with them. I mean, he's a walking Bible. He's God, for goodness sake. But, you know, in, in hard times, if, if, if I'm not reading my Bible, my anxiety is self-inflicted. If I'm not spending time with the Lord in prayer, my anxiety is self-inflicted. Read your Bibles. And Jesus says to them, you guys are foolish, but he says you're foolish and, and slow of heart to believe or um, slow to believe all that the prophets have spoken. Foolishness and slow to believe are the same thing. In our world, foolishness means you don't academically know much. But there's a big difference between wise and smart. All right. And foolish and uneducated. <laughs> you can be uneducated and wise. You can be smart and foolish. And Jesus says, these guys, you guys are foolish. Why don't you believe? How foolish you are. Did not the Christ have to suffer these things? these things, and then enter into his glory. And beginning with Moses and all the prophets, he can he explain to them the scriptures, right? So he starts off with Moses and goes all the way through to Malachi, through Isaiah, Malachi, just talking about this is this and this and this, and he's just pounding away with scriptures after scripture. And so here's these two disciples getting a free sermon on the road to Emmaus. God shows up. Did they realize God showed up? No. Um, then we have this wonderful little story in verse 28. As they approached the village to which they were going, Jesus acted as if he were going farther, further. But they urged him strongly, stay with us, for it is nearly evening. The day is almost over. So he went in to stay with them. It's a really cool little picture here of three people going for a walk. Two of them feeling really sad. One of them trying to encourage the other two, calling them foolish, which might not help, but he's Jesus, so he knows exactly how to deal with us. And they have a particular agenda to get to a particular village. It might be a mass, it might just be a halfway point. 
and they, they, it's getting dark and they need to stop at this village because there's robbers out there, there's thieves, it's dark, you can't see where you're going, there's not a lot of light around, there's no GPS. And this visitor with them continues on as if he were going further. Now, why would Jesus walk away from the disciples? There's only one other spot in the Bible where this happens. And it's not on a road, it's on a sea. And it's where Jesus has just fed the 5,000 and he sent the disciples across the sea in a boat. He said, I'll, I'll meet you on the other side. And he comes to them in the middle of the night and he is walking on the water. And it says, he's a, as he's about to pass by them, the disciples cried out. <laughs> the disciples cried out. And then Jesus turned to them and said, take courage, it is I, do not be afraid. But he was about to pass by them. Why? I believe that the journey of faith is only as long as you and I want it to be. Like Jesus isn't going to take us further then we are willing to go. But he'll be with us in the moment. And if we're willing to listen, we might be able to learn something new about him. And so anyway, Jesus is about to go because he thought, well, okay, I've done all I can. Apart from just like, you know, peel back the, the face mask and say, hey, it's me. He's, he's tried to get them to believe and have faith and they still are struggling because their heads are in the way and their feelings are getting in the way and their, their faith is not very strong. And I don't blame them because it's hard. But as they see Jesus moving away, they call out to him and they say, why don't you stay with us? So what does Jesus do? He always goes where he's invited. You invite Jesus into it and he will go there. He goes anywhere. He goes anywhere. I've seen him anywhere. He goes there. Jesus, if you invite him. And so when he was at the table with them, he took bread, gave thanks, broke it, and began to give it to them. Then their eyes were opened and they recognized him and he disappeared from their sight. Oh, man. They asked each other, we're, we're not our hearts burning within us while he talked with us on the road and opened the scriptures to us. This isn't communion. I'll just say that right, right now. It's not communion, people, all right? They're not having communion. They're just having a meal. They've just had a walk and they've come inside. They might have some water and some bread. They might even have some lamb left over from the weekend or some charoset or some mitzvah or something left over from the weekend. And you don't know what that is, figs, stuff like that. Um, he sits down at the table with them. He's just a regular traveler with them, right? And so he sits down at the table with them and he took bread. He takes the role of the host. He goes where he's invited. He takes the role of the host. He breaks the bread. But before he breaks the bread, what does he do? He gives thanks for the bread. How do you guys give thanks? Do you guys give thanks before a meal? 
can I, can, how, do you, how do you give thanks? Anyone want to tell me? Do they have the same thing every time? Yeah. I remember growing up, it might be similar to mine. I remember growing up, for what we are about to receive, may the Lord make us truly thankful. Amen. Because I, 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 I always said amen because I was hungry, so we ate. But um, there's other, other kinds of, you know, grace. Grace, you call it grace or giving thanks. Um, Jewish people tend to do it at the beginning and the end of a meal, um, traditionally. I don't know. Anyone else want to share your grace with us? Maybe we can do it after the service. We still always say, bless this food to our bodies, but then... Bless this food to our bodies. What's wrong with that? Yeah. Thanks for the food and all that you give us. Some have meat and cannot eat. <laughs> I remember the Scottish one. I can't remember the whole thing, but we give thanks. And Jesus just basically just gives thanks. He um, he's with these two people, and he he figures, well, let's just give thanks for the food and eat because we're pretty hungry. And he gives thanks. Now we don't hear what he says, but the disciples are in a classroom right now, and they are visual auditory processing right now. They've got a guy in front of them and he's just, to, he's just about to break bread, but before he breaks bread, he takes the bread and then he gives thanks for the bread and he says this, but in obviously Aramaic. I'm not going to do it in Aramaic. <laughs> Blessed are thou, O Lord our God, King of the universe, who bringeth forth bread from the earth. And he breaks it. Now it's interesting because Jesus called himself the bread of life. Jesus also called himself a grain of wheat that was planted, that was planted, it has to die before it can produce. And so here is a real picture lesson for the disciples to see the bread of God. From the earth. In other words, he's been in, in the tomb. He's been in the earth. And now he's up from the earth. And he's sharing himself with everyone. And it says their eyes were open. Then, then, it, he began to give it to them. And then their eyes were opened. In other words, they started to take it. And then their eyes were opened. That's when their eyes opened, when they took what Jesus had offered. In, in other words, when they took Jesus as resurrected in the room and their eyes were opened. The word for opened, sorry, the word for opened is the same word in Acts 7 where Stephen is, a, is about to get stoned and he's getting stoned um, because of his, stoned with stones, pebbles, right? Because of his sermon and um, he sees heaven opened. Everyone else there doesn't see it, but it's, it's like fully opened and realized. So I'm not going to go all matrix on us, but there is a reality that goes beyond what you and I can see. And one day that's going to be fully opened and we're all going to see what's real. And Jesus is going to come and every eye will see him. Even those who pierced him will see him. That's what Revelation says. Everything's going to be opened, but their eyes were opened at the resurrected Christ in front of them. And then off he goes. That's so not fair. 
but he's off to go somewhere else. And where, where are they off to? As soon as um, he disappeared from their sight, they asked each other, were not our hearts burning within us while he talked with us on the road and opened the scriptures to us? And then they were off. They weren't afraid about darkness or robbers. They, have, they ran back to Jerusalem along that road. Along the road they just came on to see the other disciples. And they said, weren't our hearts burning within us? In the hard time, listen to your heart. Like, don't follow your heart. I'm not going to go all mushy like that because following your heart, like I, when I follow my heart, my heart can take me to the wrong place. But God is... When he speaks to us, he speaks to our hearts. And so um, It Is Well With My Soul is a really great song because we've we got to keep our eyes on him in faith. In other words, shut your eyes, pray about, pray to him, seek him with your heart. Proverbs 3, 5 and 6, trust in the Lord with all of your heart and do not lean on your own understanding, but in all of your ways acknowledge him and he will direct your path. <laughs> We all learn differently. And it's in the hard times that God is able to actually speak your language and my language best so that we can learn to grow our faith muscles more. Because coming to hear a sermon won't grow your faith muscles. It probably will grow your intellect muscles, <laughs> but God's more, more, more interested in growing our faith muscles. And so, yeah. Don't walk on your own. Look back at what he's done. What was the other thing? Read your Bible. <laughs> All right, and invite Jesus into the situation. Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, we thank you so much. You're not finished with us. We thank you for your presence with us. We thank you that you love us. Uh, help, help us, Lord God, to um, yeah, share our lives with others around us, Lord God, and, and support each other and and Lord, help us to keep our eyes fixed on you. Lord, this world will try and trick us and, and distract our, um, our thinking and our, and our focus. And so, Lord, we just want to focus on you. And Lord Jesus, um, we pray that this week we would recognize your presence in the different situations that come our way. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen.